welcome in to another episode of the West Life Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Barnett. We are brought to you by Holman Barnes Group, which includes West Ashfield Leagues, the best place to watch the West Tigers live and loud, and you can do that when we play the Storm uh, this Friday evening. Uh, you can also, check out the Garden Bistro and walk on before the game and have a feed. And at Westlife Pod on Instagram and Twitter, please give us a follow. And on the profile there is our link tree that will send you to any of our content, including our YouTube, which shout outs to the dozens of you uh, tuning in right now live. We appreciate it after that uh, absolute shit show four nights ago, and uh, which we'll break down tonight. So your absolute real ones joining us each and every week. And we, uh, we thank you. And big shout out to our Patreon members, patreon.com forward slash Westlife. Um, plenty going on in the Discord, plenty of chat tonight, plenty of West Tigers stuff happening 24-7 in there as well. Uh, boys, we'll get straight straight to it. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had, what, th- Thursdays, it's a rough one. you got to ba- basically soak in it over a whole long weekend. We had Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to uh, to dwell on this and kind of um, just think of what to say tonight about a game that, uh, as I'll go to you first, basically it could not go any worse to basically not only get flogged but to lose our captain and arguably our best player in the same hit. It um, was a certainly a sad, uh, it's just a bad night to be a West Tigers fan. Yeah, g'day Josh, g'day Rob, g'day everyone watching or listening. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I saw Appy being taken off the field. I didn't actually notice Tino's hit on Appy at first, so I kind of didn't even know what was going on there. But then we saw the footage of him on screen of when he was going off. Um, and I was like, ah, crap. And then, I, then later on in the game, I, I saw Brooksy get shot by a sniper and as his hamstring went, and I'm like, oh, no. It was just one of those games, like from bad to worse, from worse to unbearably painful. Rob, it's uh, unlike the previous couple of seasons where it's just gotten the whole season's basically been uh, quite embarrassing and just absolute nothing. I mean, it's only a couple of weeks ago that we thought this West Tigers side could uh, do something. Not that we can't, we don't think that, but. Just Appy is such a, a massive loss for this team and for the next several weeks. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just it's, it's hard to hard to describe how um, emotionally heartbreaking it is to just another season. Look, mathematically, we probably weren't going to make it with the last couple of losses anyway. But this is well and truly uh, that that's it. Where season's done and dusted. Yeah, g'day boys, g'day everyone listening in. Um, look, I'm kind of glad it was Thursday night. I was I was over it by Saturday morning, so I, I enjoyed my weekend. Um, <laughs> look, uh, a couple of things. I think we're playing Saturday night this week, Josh. I can Saturday, me. sorry. I had a brain yeah, melt when I... Yeah, Saturday, 7.30. Um, 28-12, I mean, it was a really bad game, but 28-12 isn't exactly a hiding. But I, I hear what you're saying. It was a pretty bad night. I'm, I'm just going to write it off as a bad night. Um Look, I, I like what we try to do in terms of some positional changes. Uh, we moved Papali'i to right side. 
Uh, we dropped Safarth. We bought Bloor in to start. We tried Bateman in the middle. And I feel like Bateman playing in the middle was designed for the fact that we were going to lose Appy this week to Origin, we thought. So mm-hmm. we're going to have like two young hookers there in, in Jake and and uh, De Silva there. So I think Bateman would have had a bit more control playing in the middle. So we were giving him a, a trial run this week and maybe run with it again next week. The changes, look, they didn't work. I mean, we've all we've all sort of spoken about Bateman playing at lock, and the problem with Bateman is I think we want him to play left edge, right edge, right edge middle. He's such a good player, but you know, in hindsight, it probably looks like a bad move to weaken that right edge because that right edge has been really tight, and and we leaked a fair bit down there. So, look, I just think it was a bad night at the office. We've, we, I know we've lost a lot of games, but we've been up for quite a while. We mm. we haven't really been flogged for a while. Um, I don't know. It was just disappointing because the Titans were beatable. They were missing their their strike weapon in David Fafita. Um, you know, they had a lot of ball early, got the 4-0 lead, and then we hit back with a try to clamber and got ahead 6-4, and you thought, well, here we go. But I knew something was wrong when Appy ran off the field. Like, you, unless you've got, like, a dislocated finger that you quickly want to fix or something like that, there's just no, no yeah. way coming off the field unless it was really bad. I doubt that the boys would have found out till halftime anyway. Kind of, I mean, it's probably wrong of me, but kind of disappointed that in the second half someone didn't, you know, just go decapitate Tino because that's what we mm. all wanted to see. Um, oh, Johnny Bateman had a bit of a fair crack at it. He, no, he, Johnny he, Bateman hates losing though, Josh. Johnny Bateman. Uh, like, I don't know. I reckon there was a bit of vengeance in Johnny Bateman's eye. Like he, he almost got into a, a punch up for it. I reckon he was, he had his eye on Tino and was standing up for his mate. I le- legitimately think Johnny Bateman was like basically the game the game was out of reach but it looked like i don't know maybe maybe i was drawing conclusions that weren't there but i don't know yeah. he... well look i i know that you're right about the season being effectively over it, it is over and i think what's important now is what have we learned as a club this year as from last year because last year it really turned into the most depressing last few months that i've ever seen when i say last few months let's face it it was over at the end of may you know, like we were, we were gone. We sacked our coach. Team wasn't trying against depleted manly teams. We we got smashed by Canterbury at Combank. Like we just we just fell apart totally. So, what I'd like to see now is is the ball. The boys still putting in the effort. The coaches still trying their best. But more importantly, unlike last year where we played Kelma to Alungi for the rest of the year and we knew he was gone with Manly. Anyone that is not going to be on the West Tigers roster in 2024 20, and beyond, please do not play them in first grade now. I, I don't mm. care how depleted we are. Guys that are fringe players that we don't know if they're going to cut it or not, your, your Will Smiths, your Tristan Rileys, your Matt Amuas, all these guys, don't throw them all in at once, but bit by bit, give them each a few games with, with the first grade team and let's just see what they're made of so that we know where we are for next year and not use the first six rounds of 2024 as an experiment. Like, let's face it, this year we started with Dane Laurie at fullback and, you know, Charlie Staines on the wing with Noffer. And a few weeks later, Noffer got dropped, Staines got injured, Dane only lasted two rounds. And suddenly we realised Bullock can play, Tupu can play. Like, we should have found all these things out late last year. So let's give these fringe guys a go. Let's know where we're going next year. Um, let's not drop our heads, you know, like, okay, the season's over. We've, we've had a shit 12 years and it's probably, I think last year was worse than this year. I, I, I do see some positive signs. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I just, I just think 
there's just no point just turning on each other. Like nothing's changed. Like, you know, we're not happy. Whoever we're not happy with, whether it's the chairman, the CEO, or certain other people, that's not going to change by because we won last Thursday or lost last Thursday. Like, let's just be real about it. It's frustrating, whatever, but it doesn't define who we are. We still love our team. We still love the club. You know, we still support them. But I just think 100%. I just want the, I just want the club to just try and use these last 10 weeks or so on a positive side and let's work out who these fringe first graders are. And if they're no good, piss them off. Like, mm. you know, if Christian Riley's never going to play first grade, don't have him there next year, you know, or, or Matt Amua. Like, this is a perfect time to get Matt Amua in or, or give Bloor a few more games. If Bloor isn't up to it, then you get rid of Bloor too. Like, just find out who you guys are, who should be there, who shouldn't be there and see where we go. But just to... You know, I'm not. I'm not going to come on every Monday and every Wednesday and just have a sulk about it. It is what it is. I, I've seen a lot of improvement in certain ways. I don't think the windows as long as like we should be waiting five years. I've said it before. Mm. Bateman, Coruscant, Clemmer, those guys aren't going to be around in five years, and they're they're three of our best players. So we we need to make some strides next year and the year after. So just we're keep, cashed up. Yeah, just so. keep your head up. Don't don't let don't let it bother you. If we, you know, if we're going to lose probably most weeks for the rest of the year, so don't let that put you in a depression. Just we're still Tigers. There's plenty to look forward to, and and hopefully we can make some astute signings. But I don't want to see Talaus and all these guys. I don't care who's injured. Just get rid of him because no one can play. Literally, Talau went from his best game game for the club to the worst game for the club within one week. So just get rid of him if he's gone to Manly. If he hasn't gone to Manly, that's a different thing. But if he signed with Manly. Get rid of him. He's no value to us. He's just taking up a spot for nothing. Couple of Rob, you mentioned playing no one that's here next year. Luke Brooks. We'll obviously get that in the news, but just quickly, Dom and uh, someone else asked, "Does that do you include him in that as well?" I, I think Brooks is out for at least four weeks, so yeah. I don't. Think we're going to see Brooks for a it while. Solve itself. Um, look, I don't. Want, I don't want to. You know, obviously, we're going to go through player ratings later, et cetera, et cetera. And people know my views on Wakeham. I'll, I'll be straight up. I'm a Wakeham fan. He had his worst game for the club by far last week. He had an absolute freaking stinker. I I, I will prefer him to be a seven anyway. He, he's not as he's not as fast as Brooksy. I think he's a better organiser. I think he's got a better passing game. I think he's got a better kicking game. I, I think Wakeham will do an adequate job at seven anyway. So I'm really concerned about who we're going to put at six because... Dane Laurie got a head knock on the weekend, so he's not let, not eligible. And I know he's our preferred next option as 5'8". So we're probably going to play Stafford Toa at 5'8", which, again, I don't want to weaken right centre to put him at 5'8". So so that's another thing. But, yeah, ultimately, I, I, look, on, on that question with Brooks, I don't think Brooks is gone. I hate to say it. Like, I'd love him to sign with Canberra tomorrow or the Cowboys or whoever it may be. But I just think he's his management making a play for more money. I, I think he wants to stay in Sydney. He's got a young family. Um, you know, who? what clubs need a halfback? You know, so I, I don't know. I mean, I know he's played under T- uh, Toddy Payton before, you know, in, in the lower grades. So whether he wants to go up there or not, but I just think it's his, you know, player agent just trying to extract more money from the Tigers. Knowing the Tigers are desperate, they've got rid of Hastings, they've got rid of Madden, they've got no actual proper backup. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if, if Brooks goes, he goes. But let's see how we are in four weeks before we decide whether we drop Brooks or not. Because we've never been able to drop Brooks before. So I don't see it happening, you know, that much. But guys like Talau, he's, he's not in a spine position. So I'd be, I'd happily would have got rid of him a month ago. 
Craig M on YouTube, Rob, he says, I think we had a plan and vision and then Liam Pascoe hired Fulton, who has, now has his own plan and vision, and now we have factions in the club. Do you think there's anything to that? I Well, Aaron, have you got a thought on that? I mean, I've got thoughts on that, but I, don't, I want to let Aaron have some thoughts too and not hold this program. So oh, it's just when it's a Liam Pascoe question, I just... Okay, f- fair enough. Well, yeah, look, I, yeah. I'll, I'll be brief and I'll let Aaron throw his two cents in. I'm not going to accuse people are having factions but what i will say i'm not a lee and justin fan everyone knows that but i I think all these plans were made when we were zero and seven i don't think i I think a lot of belief in what sheens was trying to do in particular was lost and hence why they went behind his back to a degree and got fulton i I, i've been told that benji kind of knew about it and you know sheens really didn't want to know about it so obviously it's a it's a lack of faith but to be fair to Lee and Justin, if your team's going, you know, no wins and seven losses, it's pretty hard to keep believing all, all these stories. Like, you hadn't won a game for nine months, and Luke Brooks hadn't won a game for a year. So I get why they probably went behind his back. So it's definitely a vote of no confidence in Sheens to a degree. I don't know how long Sheens will last, but are there factions? I, I can't confirm that. I, I don't need to be speculating, but it definitely isn't a good look. But it's just hilarious that Lee and Justin say, well, what happens with the football side of things is the football stuff and it's got nothing to do with us. Yeah, they're the ones, they're the ones that have gone behind and set up this whole, you know, Scott Fulton coming to the club, et cetera, et cetera. So, and like I said, I've got no problem with it for now. I hope Fulton does a good job. Uh, but I just think it just shows the pressures on everyone and, and they're after success. And I, look, I've bagged them enough times, but on, on getting Fulton, I, I would have, I would have looked another direction too, given we were 0-7. That, that's my opinion on that. Has anything to add on that before we go to Sheenzy Presser? No, not really. I'm more than happy for most of the questions about um, our chair <laughs> and CEO to go to Rob anyway, so that, that doesn't bother me. <laughs> yeah. right. sorry, I re- sorry I didn't rip them down in shreds, but I'm just being brutally honest. Yeah, Carla, Carla asked in the chat, she goes, what medication are you on? Are you, are you okay? No, but it's just like, <laughs> what would Carla do if, if 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 Carla was Lee and she believed in Sheens and you're 0-7, wouldn't you think, am I really going to persist with this? Are we going to be 0-10? We never looked like winning a game. So I guess they were desperate and they thought, man, we've got to do something. We're, we're doing something wrong here. And, and you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. So I don't, I don't have a problem. If they think he's a great recruiter and the right man, and you can see with what they're doing in terms of, well, we're only offering Brooks this much. Uh, you know, they, they freed up Joe off and Gowie because they think 600000 is too much for next year. Noffer's in the best form he's ever been in, in in his career with us. And they're still saying you're welcome to look at other clubs, probably because he's on about 550. So obviously they're really trying to spend their dollars wisely, which I've got no problem with. So hmm. I, I just want to see how it pans out. But it's just kind of weird that, we seem to be losing our better players and and keeping the shit ones. So I'd, I'd like to see that change a little bit because Joffa was a big loss and we haven't replaced him with anyone and there's no imminent signing, you know, on the horizon. So it'll just be like, I just don't think we should just, you know, go to the gap and jump yet. I think we should just relax. We've got, we've got a, a nucleus of a good team. Like if we look at our starting side, we're happy with Buller, we're, at the moment, we're happy with Noffa, whether he stays or not. Yeah, Noffa's pretty great. We'd be happy with Staines if he stayed. We'd be happy with Tupu. We'd be happy with Startoa. Um, I don't know how people feel about Wake, and we'd be happy with uh, Bateman. We'd be happy with Papali'i. We're happy with Coruscant. We're happy with Clemmer. We're happy with Bolle. So we've got like 11 blokes there or thereabouts. You know, that's, that's most of it, team, guys. It's, it's not all doom and gloom, but 
you know, we, we need to get that half situation right. And once those halves are right and we get the right combination, I think we can win a lot of games next year. But I definitely think, well, we're not going to start 0-7 next year, surely. But the, the problem for us is the halves market is really, really scarce. Like, there's literally no one to buy out there. Everyone's signed. And unless some young kid comes through, it's just really hard to find yeah. a good half. Or just, yeah, someone on the outer Someone who's been shopped around, I guess. So yeah, yeah, no one to get excited over. Righto, uh, Sheenzy's presser. So here's Sheenzy uh, talking about that loss. Thoughts on the performance? Not our best by a long way. Um, long even before happy finish, we were dropping ball, simple ball. Um, obviously played on our own goal line the first half. You know, for 80, 80 or ninety percent of the time. So we really didn't get much opportunity. We got one opportunity down there and scored, but um, they held us in our, our area and we dropped enough ball. I think we were down about 70% possession, which is well below our, our last few weeks. And that's obviously, uh, we paid the price for it. And then losing Brooksy with a hamstring uh, means a major reshuffle for us next week. I think Chansey might have the disease that I had last week, losing his voice there, poor old Chansey. But uh, as, yeah, it seems despite an obvious flu or cold there for Chansey, it's, um, yeah, he he seems like he's at a man that, he's a man that, uh, yeah, at a point where uh, he's, it's finding his job pretty tough at the moment. Yeah, like the rest of us, he sounded pretty dejected, I think. And, um, he is pretty spot on. We just dropped too much ball. Um, we're giving them too many chances in their own end. They kept us down there, and we just then couldn't defend what they were putting on. And here's the other clip I got. Shane's talking about the Appy incident, which we haven't really gone into just yet, but we'll rip into it after this clip. Incident itself. No, but I saw it from the box. What did you think of it? Well, it looked like an elbow to me. So, but I won't make any real fuss about it until I see it. It is, yeah, it is. Um, he plays the game tough and he plays it fair. You know. If it is, well, I'm not going to accuse the kid because, you know, it was, uh, although they put it on report, so they went back and looked at it. It was a little but bit. Unfortunately, of... without Sinbin in, we couldn't activate our yeah. next man, so we played a man short. Yeah, and because. Can you just give us some... Should it have been put on a HIA as well? Because it wasn't a HIA, so there was a lot of confusion on the sideline. So if you'd had two HIAs during the course, you might have been able to activate your own man. Yeah. That's that's neither here nor there. The, the jaw's broken and badly broken, right? Fractured it there and there, right, right, through, the, right through the jaw. His bottom teeth are just loose like that. Yeah. Right, his bottom part of his jaw. So it's going to be major surgery for him tomorrow. So obviously, yeah, he did get put on a report and since has gotten off the charge. Uh, for me, obviously, Sheen's uses the word elbow. I don't think it's an elbow, but um, they did have a massive fight uh, argument over it tonight on Fox League. We've clipped that as well. And you know if Braith and Nastar is on the West Tigers side, then we might have something. So here's a little clip from... Uh, uh, what do you call it? NRL 360 tonight. Happy one. Let's roll it. 
How, how's that? You're telling him? me he didn't look at Appy in the eyes and 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 he raise his forearm? Of course you look. He didn't raise his forearm at all. So it was unavoidable. Yes, it was he's unavoidable. He's rolling up. He, oh, he hasn't raised his that's arm. That's unavoidable. The contact I, with Appy. I disagree with you. He hasn't raised his arm. I can see him moving. He raised it after the contact. Yeah, but of course Are he we not concerned about the head anymore? Are we okay. not? Okay. So if that's the case, any time a player goes to make a tackle, gets his head in the wrong position, let's suspend the bloke running the ball for six weeks. Are you, are you, are you serious? Well, that's what you're are saying. Are you serious? <laughs> that's what you're saying. No, I'm, not. I'm saying that he's put his elbow up he and he's contacted him he in the head. He didn't. Okay. So then if I'm chasing someone faster than me and I pull my hamstring. He's got to slow down to play at my speed. If that's what a big bloke brings to the game, if I didn't have a chip and chase... Repeat that again, or can't, you've okay. lost me. So, like, <laughs> I don't play with skills, yeah. so I had to play with aggression. Yeah. So where the does, game's changed, no, no, so where does The rules Gordon have changed. Now? Where does Shane Webke, where does Tino play? What sport do we play? But didn't the front rower used to so run So let's just take front rowers it. off. But didn't the front rower used to run and palm? No, that, mate, Arthur, the beats old him, days, mate. Arthur beats him one what, of the great. Toys are running, go like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He didn't go like that. The oh, mate, I'll show my, you one my day. Point is, my point the game's is, clean. Right. We're trying to this... protect the head. We've changed the game. We've changed the rules. We've, we've brought in the new system with the HIA. We've cracked down. Six... We've almost ruined the game at times over it and everyone's complained about it. You've but now it doesn't matter. you a five guy running at someone five foot eight. Right, if that's my son, bend your back, hit him in the belly. Why are you standing up there right in the hit zone? It's the same guy that happened two week, two times in three to weeks. To another little Is guy. it a coincidence? Uh, Let, let's no. roll the Appy one. Let's, let's roll it. How, how's that You're telling it? me he didn't look at Appy in the eyes. And- right, Ed. So, uh, Brayton Astor and Buzz Rothfield on the outside of the, or on the West Tigers side of the argument here. Uh, tough times. But in all seriousness, if you watch it, in my opinion, it's not necessarily an elbow, but he does get his arm literally a split second before Appy goes to tackle him, raises his elbow and strikes towards Appy. Now, is that illegal in the rule? What rule do you come against him for that? But to me, there's no other, like Brayton has said, he's, he's been done for it before, knocked someone else. Who was it? Was it Reed Marnie that he knocked out? It was Reed, Reed Marnie, Marnie, yeah. Reed yeah. Marnie previously. He literally. It's one thing to put your arm out that they call the the bumper bar or whatever, but he actually raises his elbow upwards towards Appy's face. How is that not deemed as if, if we're trying to crack down on head injuries? How are we going to allow that? As I'll let you go first. What are you? What's your opinion on the uh, the Tino palm? Well, as first of all, I just want to say as well as his hit on. Um... Marnie, which was literally what maybe two, three weeks ago, that he got a fine for, um, compared to getting let off for that one. I want to also compare it to what Julia Robertson did to Isabel Kelly in the Women's Origin game. There was a elbow. There was not not necessarily an elbow, but a forearm um, that connected with Isabel Kelly in the throat and left her struggling to breathe um, and mm. coughing up blood at one point in the sheds while like while the rest of the team were in there for the halftime break. And it was only much later when that was also put on report and she was suspended for a week for a game for that. So she's going to miss the second Origin game because there's no other women's games um, in between the two Origin games, which I think is a bit of an interesting debate there anyway. Um, but he he definitely, I, I wouldn't say he raises it directly to strike Appy, but contact is made. And if they're going to be serious about 
contact with the head or contact with the neck or anything that's contact above the shoulders, then why was nothing done about it? Rob, what are your thoughts? I want to go on record and uh, first and saying that Brent Reed is a dickhead. Okay, <laughs> Queens, Queenslander, Gordon, isn't he? Gordon, yeah, he is. And Gordon Tallis is an incoherent idiot, a dribbler, yeah, absolute also, fucking dribbler. And also a Queenslander. I hate, I hate the fact that I'm agreeing with Anasta and Rothfield. But one thing Anasta did get wrong, he said, "We've changed the rules on this." No, we haven't changed the rules on this. You are not allowed to raise your forearm to protect yourself. That's been like that since 1908. You cannot raise your forearm. And then when Brent Reed says, well, what if he goes lower and he, and he, he cops an arm here, he cops an arm there, I'm telling you, Tino was looking for Appy's head and he was looking for Reed Marnie's head. 100%. So it wouldn't have mattered where he tried to go. You Look, when you run the ball, you can tuck the ball under your arm. You could probably lead with the top half of your arm, like with your shoulder almost. Or you just carry it and, and that's it. And you just got to take the hits. That's life. But there's no way Appy did anything wrong or could have done anything differently. And I'm not saying it because it was a Tiger supporter. If, if David Clemmer, you know, had done that to, you know, Jaden Campbell or something like that, I, I'd be the same way. And I'd say Clemmer should get suspended. But, you know, further to that, Tino did a shoulder charge on Sean Bloor that should have got a sin bin. And we should have got a penalty and said Sean Bloor lost the ball and, and we turned it over in our red zone. There's just so many things that are, are wrong with the game. But I just don't get how these guys keep defending Tino and how it's dangerous to slide into Jamal Fogarty's boot and break his toenail and, and you cop a penalty for that. But you get nothing for Tino breaking someone's jaw. I, I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I'm not into this, you know, Queenslanders are dickheads or New South Welshmen are dickheads, but the two blokes on the panel that think it was normal were Queenslanders and they're fucking dickheads. They're absolute fucking dickheads. I, I don't, I'm not sugarcoating. I don't care. I, I just can't believe they can't see how the forearm was raised. It's like literally raised just before. And you almost see yeah. separation, separation from his arm and his body to do that. It's just a completely illegal act. And the NRL has got this totally wrong and we're going to suffer now because We've lost our captain, and, and it changed the course of the game too. Not that we were playing well anyway. Do you reckon the fact that he would have missed State of Origin is one of the reasons he got off? Do you reckon if it was, he was just going to miss Titans games, it might have been different? I'd like to say that, but the fact that he only copped a fine on what he did to Reed Marnie, I think, was a joke. So I don't know. Mm. I, I couldn't say that with any certainty, to be fair. Uh, one place that's not dirty, West Ashfield Leagues, our uh, major sponsor. You can watch them uh, watch the game live and loud on the big screen on Saturday night, as Rob corrected me uh, earlier in the show. We play the Melbourne Storm Saturday evening, and you can get grab a feed at the Garden Bistro at Walk-On before or after the game. Uh, Walk-On's open to like 3 in the morning or something. If you want a, yeah, a post-game feed, get a... Um, yeah, a Kung Pao chicken or a uh, – what did I have the other week at the sports – the club as the uh, sweet corn – No, I had a sweet corn chicken soup at uh, at Markets Club when we watched the Dragons play. It was really good. Oh, that's uh, right, yeah. Markets Club just quietly – that's our, our favourite little spot too. Also uh, owned by Holman Barnes Group. I'll show your support to the major sponsors of West Tigers, Holman Barnes Group. For more information, visit Holman Barnes Group dot com dot au home and barns group bringing people together right some more news so the luke brooks 
saga. So he announced that he is apparently going to end uh, his 11-year stint at uh, the West Tigers, as it says there on the headline from the Sydney Morning Herald. And then it's just dropped late, uh, about an hour or two ago, uh, Fox Sports. Uh, it's actually Phil Rothfield on... Did he mention this on NRL 360? I actually didn't see the rest of the... He did. He did. So uh, Buzz Rothfield reporting, he reckons he's going to the Cowboys to play with Todd Payton, who coached Brooksy in Holden Cup. So, Rob, you tend to think that this might be just a little bit of uh, management uh, lighting a fire. I, th- I think it's a complete play to get more money. As I said earlier, he knows the Tigers are desperate. We've got no halves, basically. Um, Rothfield didn't say he was going to the Cowboys. He said that would be a, a good target and, like, they'd be looking to release um, their current halfback, uh, Chad Townsend, who's on something like 800000 so he's on massive coin, and they'd release him to another NRL club or English Super League and that um, Todd Payton would probably, you know, be keen to take Brooks. So if he wants to take Brooks, good luck to him. But I just think it's a play, and I, I won't believe he's gone until he's gone. And that's not that I want him to stay. I'm quite ambivalent about it right now. There's no other halfbacks on the market. If he goes, good luck to you. But as I said on Twitter, you, you really can't solve the halves problem while the problem is still in the halves. And, you know, you, you just had to watch the last 30 seconds of the Canberra game, you know, two Fridays ago. We get tackled down the left-hand side on the fourth tackle. We've got two plays left. Brooksy gets the ball at first receiver. Instead of setting up, you know, a prop or a second rower to go to the post and set himself up for a field goal. He throws it back down the short side to Wakeham or Bull or whoever it was. And we were out of position. Then we started playing hot potato because there was 10 seconds left. And I, I just don't think he's a game manager, guys. He never has been. He's played a lot better this year, no doubt. He's been, he's been quite good the last six weeks. His running game has been fantastic. His kicking game has improved. But I think when... All the chips are on the on the table, and and you know you, you need that big play. I I just don't think he's normally the guy. So if he goes, good luck to him. If he doesn't go, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, so we'll see what happens. As the West Tigers pay only five fifty k per year, they're not going to budge on that mark. Is that uh, about right for Brooksy? You reckon? Yeah, I'd say five fifty, maybe the six fifty. Um, if he, well, unfortunately, he's not going to get as much of a chance to prove himself over the rest of the season since he's going to be out for um, four mm. to six weeks. So, but yeah, if he kept playing well, I'd maybe up his offer to six fifty. But I'm going to be honest. This is the today is the first I've seen of all of the um, the news, particularly regarding Brooksy. I had a bit of a sabbatical from the socials for most of the weekend, other than a little bit of a celebration after the Aussies um, won the World Test Championship mm. last night and looking at a few posts about that. So, yeah, I I, I agree with Rob. I'm, I'm not going to believe that he's gone until it's been confirmed that he's leaving. Um, we can conject and speculate all we want. We just don't really know until, well, we know. you got to remember too, guys, we've gone after every, whether he's contracted or not, we've gone after every halfback, every 5'8", We've had every opportunity to sign Luke Brooks from January, February. We extended Adam Dewey, who was whose contract was up at the end of the year. Brooks's contract was up at the end of this year too. We never extended on Brooks. So management never wanted to keep Brooks. It was the faith that Sheens and Marshall had in Brooks as to he can prove what he's worth, et cetera, et cetera. And look, 
we've basically, I know he had a back-ended contract, but we're basically offering him half the money that he was on. So it's not exactly a vote of confidence, but, you know, let's be fair. If, if we thought Brooks was the answer, we would have extended him at the start of the year, especially when Moses rejected us. And now Sean Johnson, Mitchell Pearce, Cameron Munster, whoever else they've thrown, you know, offers mm. at. So I, I don't think it's, it's that big a deal. It just seems a big deal now because we don't have Hastings there. We don't have Madden there. Uh, you know, Wakeham's just a, a fringe, you know, on a minimum contract sort of thing. So it looks like, what are we going to do? But honestly, Wakeham and a good 5'8 would would be be pretty handy as far as I'm concerned. I, I know he had a shocker last week, but I think he can bounce back from that. Yeah, and honestly, who do we target if Brooksy does go? Because I can't think of any um, decent off-contract halfbacks um, coming like off contract at the end of this season, do we maybe have to start looking to the Super League and find a half from the Super League to come over? But if if it, were, if it was me, Aaron, I'd probably I'd probably do what the Cowboys uh, the Cowboys I'd probably do what the Dolphins did. Like they were pretty desperate; they had to get like a, a reject in Anthony Milford, you know, mm. out of nowhere, which which didn't work. And they went and chased you know Penrith young halves, and they got that Sean young yeah. They got Katoa, so maybe we've yeah. got to overpay a kid who's like nineteen or twenty, put him on five hundred a year, even though he's probably worth three or four hundred, and just say, mate, this is this is we'll give you this, and if you if you perform, we'll we'll up your contract if you show that you're worthy of the halves or five eight position. But yeah, we're gonna to have to take a chance on a young kid because there's yeah. really no one old and experienced out there, and we certainly don't want Chad Townsend for fuck's sake. So. Mm. You know, or Mitchell Pierce, who you know probably couldn't run more than twenty meters anymore. He's on old legs, so mm. I, I just think we've got to we've got to bite the bullet and take a chance, guys. Whether it's within the club or outside the club, that that's for them to find out. And I'm sure Scott Fulton will will, will be doing some looking around and you know liaising with Benji and, and seeing who's out there. Yeah. Uh, bit of talk about Sheenzy. You kind of hit on this already, Rob. Just um, a bit of doubt around Shenzhen's future at West Tigers. Is there anything else you want to add to what you've already said? No, not really. I I, I don't think Sheens is a quitter. Um, so, look, unless he feels like he's absolutely cornered and he has he has to walk, I, I don't think he will walk. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, just, I just think they've gone behind his back to a degree, and, and in my opinion, rightfully, um, which so I actually give credit to Lee and Justin and yeah no I'm not on medication, um, but yeah like how can you how can you have faith in the bloke that dismantled last year and you start zero and seven and you're tinkering around with the team every which way and you're starting games with Coruscant on the bench and all this sort of stuff I don't know I just I just think I just think there's a, a lack of faith in what Sheens has done but. I'm not in Concord to know what's what's going on exactly. So I am only speculating, but I don't think you'll see out the two years, guys, personally. So uh, unless there's some really, really good results on the field. Uh, a little bit of good news that came, or it's a, not a little bit, it's a huge bit of good news that came over the weekend. Uh, obviously, long-time listeners of the show remember Shane, uh, one of our inaugural uh, co-hosts and founders of this show. He, or not him, he, not him himself, his partner, Sam, she gave birth to little Ace on Friday morning, I believe it was. So um, congratulations to Big Shane becoming a father on Friday, his own little cub. And um, look, the size of 
big Shano, who knows, maybe a little back rower or front rower for the uh, for the West Tigers in 20, if he's born in 23, we'll look at 2043. So keep an eye out for a little uh, Ace Calder running around. So, uh, yeah, shouts out to the Calder family, all three of them now. So um, also a big week for Shane too. He's also a Denver Nuggets fan. So little Ace coming the week of the Joker boys. He couldn't... couldn't uh, couldn't write that better, could you? Uh, congrats to Shane and Sam. Well done. Yeah, big congratulations. Especially Sam. Well done, especially to Sam. Uh, right out back to um, the sadness of the West Tigers after that talk of the bundle of joy. So we'll talk about the game itself. 28-12 to 12 to the Titans. Uh, we can see the five tries. David Clemmer scoring our first try. That was pretty good to see as Big Clem getting over. Oh, that was great. I absolutely enjoyed watching that. That was, um, and that was well put on by Jake too. Um, a lot of conjecture, obviously, around Jake coming into, well, staying in the team, especially um, the fact that he ended up having to play big minutes. So it was a really good ball that put Clem through, and I really enjoyed that try. Uh, a little incident here. Rob, you touched on it earlier. I put this... Um within the game review talking about Tino. Was it Rob? Which one of you mentioned the, the shoulder charge earlier? It was, it was Rob, yeah. Um, it was obviously on my guy, Sean Bloor, who I'll go into bat for when we do the play ratings later. But I don't understand how this wasn't called either live for a penalty for a shoulder charge and B, not reviewed at all. I've put up the screenshot here because we're not allowed to play... Uh, NRL footage on YouTube, not a risk getting uh, shut down because the NRL tend to do that if you do take their uh, footage. But in a screenshot here, and Rob, you reckon there's a better angle as well. There's no way Tino's wrapping an arm around Sean and he hits his shoulder literally, he goes in shoulder first. It's a blatant shoulder charge, is it not? Yeah, there's, there's no effort to wrap the arm. He's shoulders, you know, he's got his left arm tucked in tight with his body and he goes in with a shoulder. And Sean loses a ball from that incident as well. So instead of us getting a penalty and the Titans being reduced to 12 men, Titans get the ball. And I, I can't remember, did they score from that? I think they probably they did. They did. Next year, that's it. They scored. Yeah. Uh, I haven't rewatched the game, guys. So like it's, like, you, like you guys said, it's a bit too mm. depressing to, to watch a game like that over again. But yeah, really, really disappointing. And they're just, they're the sort of things that happen to us. But, you know, like I say, we... We, you know, we were correctly penalised for Papali'i, but like just any anything that we can get penalised for, we seem to get penalised for, and they don't. The thing that annoys me with the shoulder charges, it it only tends to get picked up the most is when someone bumps someone over in the corner trying to save a try. That seems to be when it's like, well, and that's I'd argue that's probably less dangerous than just lining someone up. With his shoulder, like if you look at the screenshot here, Tino's shoulder is only a couple of inches from uh, Sean Ball's throat here. And you mentioned earlier, as in the women's uh, league, obviously a throat injury to uh, Isabel Kelly. Isabel Kelly, um, as well. Like obviously, I, I don't know how as this. Just nothing, not, like maybe because Sean Bloor was more angry and swear, like at, at himself for dropping the ball, and he didn't put his hand up to kind of appeal for a penalty. Like it's just 
I just watching it live, I was like, is that not a shoulder charge? The commentators, I don't think the commentators even mentioned it either. What hides I'm it like, now? Sorry, what hides it, guys, is on the video when you see it, you actually see those three defenders there um, going for Sean. When you watch it on TV, they literally all hit him at once. I know it looks like Tino's going to get there first, but even watching it live, I didn't realise it was a shoulder charge because they literally all got him at once. And and I think it would have been hard for Sean to know if he got shoulder charged or not because mm. literally three of them almost hit him simultaneously. But watching the shot from behind the Titans' try line, like with a head-on shot, it was a clear shoulder charge. I'm thinking, well, how do they miss that? Mm. Like they've, they've picked up that Appy's jaw got broken and put Tino on report. So why couldn't they go back and find this as being a shoulder charge? Like it was it was as clear as day. Sean sure needed to flop like a Miami Heat player. But uh, as what are your anything yeah, to this? I completely agree. Like I didn't catch the fact that it was a shoulder charge live, but as soon as they started showing the replays, I was like, hang on, the arms aren't being wrapped. That's a shoulder charge. Where's our penalty? And it just didn't come. And I, I agree with you, Josh. Most of the time, players need to flop or lay down or go down on their haunches or something to mm. for things to even c- to consider being looked at. And it's ridiculous that we have all this technology and they and they aren't even pulling up the most obvious and blatant things. I'd also say that other than contact on uh, defenders, contact on attackers when they're like down the sideline going for a try in the corner or whatever, um, contact on kickers when there's a shoulder involved is a, a lot more heavily monitored too. But mm. any contact on kickers is heavily monitored as we've seen in recent weeks. Yeah. Now, there was also a second shoulder charge in the second half. Tino, I forget who it was. Was it Bateman? Was that yeah, what? Yeah, I think someone, someone mentioned that in the comments on before. Bateman, yeah. Hit. yeah, and that was what ignited the feud between Tino and Bateman late in the second half. Mm. Yeah, it's uh biggest belief. Right, a few stats from this game. Possession, 48% for us. I mean, we must have evened that up because there was a stage there what felt like we hardly had the ball. Uh, completion rate, 20 out of 40. Just, yeah. Not not good enough from our boys. Titans not much better. Thirty five of forty two. You kind of said it earlier, Rob. They were definitely beatable in this game. The Titans. It is frustrating because yeah, if Appy stays on, I don't know. I feel like I call it a sliding doors moment, and the scoreline doesn't really reflect it. But uh, we probably could have. The Titans weren't that good. Really, I think we could have won this. Had things, a couple, literally one, literally one thing, but a bounce of the ball here and there. Um, it's not. I called it a flogging at the start of the show. I guess I meant that in comparison to um, previous games that we've only just lost, like the previous week against Canberra. But I don't think the we times were that much better. So. We got battered by the, by them, uh, well, Tino mm. especially, so it's a flogging in that regard. Yeah. It looked like it was going to be a flogging, guys. I mean, I don't know the exact minutes or whatever, but I remember tweeting three quarters of the way through the game, you know, this, you know, like we're going to get flogged, et cetera, et cetera. And I think Gold Coast stayed on 28 points for maybe the last mm. 20 minutes or so. So they it looked like it was going to be 40 or 50. Um, look, the Titans kicking game was absolutely spot on. They, they forced so many dropouts. Every kick was... Literally inch perfect. We defended repeat set after repeat set. Our short dropouts were terrible. They were absolutely terrible. We may as well have kicked it long. Um, but to our credit, we defended a lot of that stuff. 
they eventually scored. And then, you know, as Aaron mentioned, Clemmer scored against the run of play very much like um, Appy to Steph when we thrashed the Cowboys. It was a bit of a, you know, Jake looking sort of behind the play and then feeding it to Clemmer and going over for a try. But I just think that, you know, when you look at the lineups, like maybe if you exclude Luke Brooks from this, but literally I think everyone from one to six, if you look at the Titans and look at the Tigers, every man for man, the Titans have had faster players. Their speed literally got us. They got on the outside of us quite a bit. Um, you know, really disappointing when AJ Brimson scored because I think that was a bit of miscommunication. I think if Bateman was on the right edge, um, you know, that wouldn't have happened. Um, so yeah, it was just it was just a look. The boys tried hard, but I, I think that the three forward positional changes took a bit of getting used to. Um, you know, we'll get onto it later. Like like you said, you're going to probably defend Sean Bloor. I'll defend him to a, to a degree, but I think the communication between Brooks, Bloor, and Talao was awful, and mm. and some of the some of the spacing was absolutely diabolical. Um, you know, I know, I know, I think Sean only missed one tackle, but I mean, and it's not his fault, but the spacing from Luke Brooks to, to Talao and stuff like that, it, there was just too much room. Like, it was just awful, absolutely yeah. awful, like watching it live. So there's just a lot of miscommunication, but they look, the Titans were too good. They, they kicked us to death. They had all the possession in the first half. Um, but still, I thought we, we could have been in the game and was hoping actually Buller could have run away for a try late in the first half. I was mm. surprised. He didn't turn the afterburners off and got run yeah. down by a back rower. And then in the second half, he looks like Speedy Gonzalez and runs down Jaden Campbell. I, I just can't work out whether Bull is fast or whether he's slow because one minute he looks like he, he can't get into gear and the next minute he looks like a Ferrari. So, yeah, it's just uh, look, it was just one of those nights. We I think we just had an off night, guys. Holding People do say that when a forward does run down a back with the ball, the holding a ball does slow you down quite significantly so but um you never looked like yeah. getting it josh it was really weird yeah never, yeah he like, kind of needed a, i don't know run towards the site shape exactly. away away the, and then up back yeah in. yeah he kind of just ran parallel to the sideline and let him cut across to yeah. get him he, yeah he, he i don't know what are we we're not professional athletes exactly. but um uh offloads 20 to 6 so the the boys did throw the ball around. I think maybe that came a little bit later in the game as when they had basically nothing to lose. Yeah, I think so. I don't remember um, having too many offloads, particularly before halftime. There was a bit of second phase play um, with a couple of our half breaks in there and we got that half break from um, Bateman to Brooksy and it was a shame that no one backed up Brooksy because otherwise we could have gotten another try through there. But the other stat, well, the, not really a stat, but the other thing I'm, I was thinking watching the game is like what's happened to us when we're going to, when we're like making short dropouts or short restarts or trying to contest them. Like in recent weeks, we've, we've just fallen apart when it comes to getting the ball back from a short restart. And oh, we suck at them so bad. We, Kickoffs well, we as well. Weeks. Yeah, we had a few good mm. weeks with them where we, where we could get the ball back off the, especially the short dropout, but I don't know. Last last game, every short dropout, we just we lost the ball, and it was pretty frustrating. Yeah, the yeah, kicks, I were, did, the our, kicks our, were awful. Our, they yeah, they'd be twenty meters out. You got to you exactly. got And the, the the thing is, the Titans weren't really. I mean, they might have taken taken it to at one stage, but I don't know. You really got to just try and hover it over that ten meter line in that 
like second guess part. It's just, they kicked it twenty, and the Titans literally caught it without jumping. It was just, yeah, it was all it was all on the kicker. I think it was Wakem taking the actual kicks. So I think it's purely like purely on him, just not putting the ball in the right spot. You got to you got to kick it in a spot where the chasers can get to it. So it, you, you, they were also maybe worth trying stabbing it along the ground. It's kind of like a um an onside kick in NFL and they kind of worked. What game was it that uh he placed it perfectly? It was Wakem p- perfectly placed it a drop out and it literally crossed the 10 meter line over the sideline. Was, it was against yeah against the Dragons. Yeah, um, like obviously he, he, that was probably more arson class that one, but yeah, maybe just something along the ground. Like I don't know if anyone watches NFL. What they try to do with short kickoffs there is they try and kick it end over end, so the ball kicks up around. I think it's five yards or ten yards, whatever 10 yards. the NFL. Yeah, ten yard mark. So the ten, similar to our ten meter rule here, and basically when the ball kicks up, you kind of can fight for the ball like that. So I wonder how long it'll be till someone tries that with a dropout. Very hard to do a grubber with a dropout, but who knows? We even, like, missed, we even missed a kick for touch, Josh. I can't remember if it was Brooks or Wakem, but we, we yeah. got a penalty we got a penalty and, and kicked to the far side yeah. in touch. Yeah, so. Disastrous game. Yeah. I also um, think um earlier this season, I think I've seen two players do it. It might have been Drinkwater and Mitch Moses. But they go for the like for the dropout. They go for the the grubber and um, kick it out all- past a few defenders about twenty twenty five meters away, yeah. and that that worked out too mm. because they get the ball back from that. And yeah, you got to mix it up. You just got a variety. Got to yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I but I'm not a person like I've been for years saying I reckon short dropouts are the go because at the end of the day, the Titans did catch the ball. At the twenty meter line, they got tackled around the twenty meter line. If you kick it fifty meters, they're running it back to twenty five, thirty anyway. So yeah. it doesn't. You got nothing to lose, and I think that's why teams just are just trying it now. So it depends on the clock too, Josh. I mean, if there's a minute left or a minute and a half left, I kick it deep. You know what I mean? Like you probably yeah. then you only got to defend maybe two or three tackles in the red yeah, zone. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, missed tackles. Look, we had seven less than the Titans. The, yeah, it's errors fourteen to seven. I mean, that's that's a huge one, as well. Penalties uh, three to four. So, like Rob said, one of them we didn't even kick into touch. So, yeah, a loss to a team not that good. Very frustrating. Um, top tacklers for this game: Johnny Bateman, fifty six with wow. only four missed. That is unbelievable. Uh, Jakey Simkin, we were pretty harsh on him. Uh, last week, but he made 45 tackles, only four missed. Uh, Isaiah Papali, 35, four missed, and Sean Bloor, 29, with only one missed. So uh, a couple of other stat leaders, most uh, tackle breaks, Nofa with 10. I mean, Nofa, a few shining lights out of this game, as Nofa, Nofa's been in pretty good form despite losing the team losing the last few weeks. Yeah, Nofa went absolutely um, berserk. On um, Thursday night, he was great. I, I love watching him make tackle breaks because he's he's just so evasive and elusive when he when he can find those gaps and when he gets it right, he's he's great to watch. Uh, run meters, 
uh, Jareem Buller, 226 post-contact metres, uh, went to Clem, 54. And a couple of line breaks for Jareem as well. Look, Jareem Buller, he's the number one thing at the moment, Rob, to watch. I know we mentioned he got run down before, but he's, look, he's he's got his sell tickets alone for the rest of the season. Still keen to watch him play, obviously. Oh, definitely. Look, I don't, I don't care who we field. I'm going to be going out Saturday night to watch the game. Um, look, he's he's the spine position that we thought we we're going to have massive problems filling a couple of months ago, and, and we've found our answer there. So we've got a great number nine. We've got a great number one. We've just got to sort out six and seven. Uh, like I said, I, I, I can persist with, with Wakeham. Don't care what Brooks does. Uh, you know, we're, we're not in too bad a shape, guys. We're just, we always said, you know, we've got to be healthy. Uh, when we assessed the Canberra game, when I was assessing it, I tried to say I was pretty critical about Appy not starting the game. And I think my words were, everything starts with Appy and everything finishes with Appy. Like, he's that crucial to our team. So, obviously, Appy being out now for at least six to eight weeks, that's absolutely enormous, irreplaceable. But, look, uh, to his credit, Jake Simkin bounced back. I, I know he missed a couple of tackles, like, Someone was messaging me after one of the big forwards ran over him up the middle. And I just thought, man, like, he's not a big boy. Like, you just can't, you know, Appy misses tackles too. Like, mm. he, misses, he misses four or five a game yeah, on average. So, I thought Jake Simpkin had a great game. As I said, set up a try to Clemmer. Uh, considering he wasn't expected to play that many minutes, I thought he was outstanding. Uh, Shay on YouTube mentioned uh, Drew Buller's fend on Tino. That was that try by Buller that... Um, yeah, the game was pretty much done by them. No, it that wasn't was... done. We all, we all saw what we did against Canberra, and I'm thinking, come on, yeah, boys, true. One, one more true. try, one more try, we can get back in this. And so. who's offload? Who's offload got him into broken play on that play? Uh, uh, it was Sean Bloor. It was Sean Bloor. That's why I brought Sean it up. Bloor. Clement did another <laughs> offload in that game earlier that was incredible too. Like, so yeah, the boys, the boys are playing. You know, they're having their moments. I just they want are. to give you guys a quick um. Of uh, Jareem's run meters, his lowest was 102. That was against the Panthers in the pouring rain, so you can't really take too much out of that. Mm. Um, but besides that, the lowest amount of run meters he made was in his debut against Manly, 177. And his last three games, he's cracked 200 in all three, almost 250 against both the Cowboys and Raiders. So, kid, he runs the ball back talent. beautifully. Mm. He's so good. Uh, the table, so we thank, thankfully by, what, two for and against points uh, sit ahead of the Dragons, but the Dragons have a bye this week. So it's basically loose of the storm and we're back in last place. So uh, unless we lose by, no, they jump us on points, yeah, don't they? Lose yeah, so, yeah, lose, we're outright last. So um, the Bulldogs getting flogged. Today helps. I think I screenshot. Did I screenshot this before the dogs game? I think I did. Before, so because they play para, yeah, yeah. So they got flogged. That helped us a little bit. But um, look, just don't come last. Hopefully, need the dragons to keep. I don't hate the dragons, but I just don't want to come come last. So uh, the top eight, the Seagulls, they're six and six. So fifty a fifty percent win record for us to do that. We're three and ten. So we'd have to go. Nine and nine two. and two, yeah, nine and two, all the way. So, uh, two thousand and five, I think we did that, but with no Appy, it's uh, 
it's a, a big, big hill to climb. So uh, shout out to our friends at Mobile Corp. So formerly MLC Phones, who's the sponsor of the Sydney Tigers back in the mid-90s. If you need someone uh, for your local business to manage your IT, your networks, and your mobile devices, they are a local business owner looking for a partner who will take away the hassle of dealing with IT issues. Make sure you have cybersecurity in place. Handle all your mobile device needs. Uh, mobile mobile court can help with all those things. They're a family-run business and a long-time supporter of West Tigers. Reach out to our friend Stephen and the team at Mobile Corp. Check out mobilecorp.com.au. That's mobilecorp.com.au. Shout out to our friend Shane Walker and our friend uh, Paul Siren. If you missed our chat a couple of weeks ago with Ciro uh, in Origin Camp, that was really good as well. Uh, New South Wales Cup, the boys came from behind to snag a draw. It was 16 uh, to 8 there. We didn't see this game because it wasn't, I don't believe it wasn't streamed anywhere. And yeah, we weren't going um, out to Blacktown to watch it yesterday. Um, but yeah, apparently Dane Laurie went off with a HIA. So he's hoping. So I thought. In my opinion, I'd like to see Dane have a crack at six. It says there uh, Dane Laurie Sinbind with five minutes to go. I thought he went off the HIA, but unless he, he might have passed it and come back and then got Sinbind. I've heard he's mandatory to stay out, stay out now for eleven days, so we can't play him. Yeah. Uh, um, what other notes do I hear from this one? Apparently, um, were we down sixteen nil, Josh? Half, yeah, sorry, the halftime score was 16-6. So you might be right there. So uh, apparently, I think, I believe we almost scored on the buzzer as well. So um, apologies. We literally couldn't see this one. So please don't get mad at us for that. The boys in the cup, they are sitting in eighth place. Uh, they're six and seven for the record. So still in with a finals hope down there but i mean with injuries to first grade you know that players are going to filter out so they uh i think believe they're playing at lickham again this week so go out and support uh the magpies boys as well the jersey flag against manly they went down 36 to 16 um so a bit of a uh would you call that a flogging what what, what point do you call it a flogging? Is 20 plus a flogging? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Close maybe up. about that 24 plus that four converted tries. Yeah. Uh, 10, they're sitting in 10th at the moment. So four and nine, the Jersey Flag boys not having the best of seasons. Right at player ratings time. So we're going to go through these a little bit quicker uh, than usual. I'm just going to read them straight out. Saying my voice is starting to go a little bit again, but... Not as bad as last week. Apologies again for that. And as thank you again for saving me there. But uh, Tim Sheens, he was given 4.3. Now, uh, Dream Buller, 8.0. Uh, David Nofaluma, you guys gave him a 5.4. Stafford Toa, 5.6. Tommy Tillow, he is the first man to get a zero or below one rating. He had 0.8. Seven, uh, Junior Tupo six point two, Brandon Wakeham two point six, Luke Brooks five point two, 
Uh, Stefano, he had 6.3. Appy, 5.3, which is a bit harsh when he uh, obviously didn't play the majority of the game. Uh, David Clemmer, 6.9. Isaiah Publi, 6.2. John Bateman, 7.4. Sean Bloor, 5.0. Fanua Pole, 5.5. Jackie Simkin, 5.5. Alex, 12, 5.6. And Asu Kepa Owa, 4.4. Righto, boys, who wants to pick one of those out and... uh, yeah, is there any of those that you think were under or overs? Yeah, I have a couple. Yeah, I've got a couple. I'm going to go Noffa was too low, and I think Jakey Simkin was too low as well. So 5.4 for Noffa and 5.5 yeah, for Jakey. I think, yeah, I Noffa. Very, Noffa's, very harsh. Yeah, no, I thought Noffa, as and I mentioned Noffa before, feeling like he was running the ball really well. 5.4 is a bit harsh for him there. He certainly wasn't. Uh, a reason for the loss at all. You said, what was it, 10, uh, 10 tackle bus? I mean, he had 11 against Canberra. Mm. Like, I mean, very very similar sort of performance. But, yeah, look, I mean, everyone's pretty frustrated when they do the player rating. So, But, you know, I think most of them are pretty right. Uh, but I think, yeah, a little bit harsh on Simkin and, and very harsh on Nofaluma. Uh, as? Yeah, I, I those were the two I was going to mention. I agree with both. Nofa... I probably would have rated him about a seven. His defense wasn't as good as it has been, but um, absolutely his attack is coming along in leaps and bounds. And like I said before about Jake, he played, (coughs) sorry, he played a pretty stellar game considering he ended up playing a lot more minutes than he was probably um, expecting to. I also want to add, I think Tommy Talau has shattered the record because I'm pretty sure no player had received lower than a 2.0 this season, except mm. maybe Brooksy in one of our games in our losing streak. But other than that, he's absolutely dismantled that record and not a fun record to have. But I'm just going to say about Jareem, I don't care what anyone says. I'm giving him a 10. Like, he's he's stellar. He's killing it. Absolutely. I know Rob's shaking his head over there, but oh, I don't. Just, I, love <laughs> I love it. I love it. I don't care. In a losing side, um, I gave him, like, nine just on his on, on its own for the, um, the fend on – Tino because that was a beautiful bit of not really justice because we still got our asses kicked. But yeah, I I love watching Jareem. I'm gonna keep showing up and supporting that kid in particular um for the mm. rest of this season for any other game I go to. And I'm I'm just excited to see his development. He's got eleven games for the rest of this year to see how he goes and then a full preseason next year. And I think we can expect some pretty big things from Jareem next year. Uh, Sean Bloor, obviously, for me, I said I was going to go in a bat for him. Look, a 5.0, I probably wouldn't rate him much higher than that. I just felt uh, hurt and offended for my for my boy over the weekend. A lot of people, when they were rattling off names, he's he was one of the, like, if not the, the name, but one of the, well, I think Tommy Tillow was probably the first name most of the time. But then they'd throw Sean back in behind that. I don't think he was uh, that that bad. Look, I'm not going to say he was a 10 out of 10 as style, but he was, for his first game back in first grade in a while, he had three offloads. He he was trying hard and he was his defense, he was the fourth highest tackler. He only missed one. Uh, I know, Rob, you said he got caught out a little bit, but when you, he's got Tommy Talau and Luke Brooks either side of him. Like, it's a bit of a tough task as well. I just think it's very harsh for people to just say, get rid of him based on his first game back in first grade. 
100% agree with you. But I, but when I was talking about the spacing, like there was one try, I can't remember which one it was, but it wasn't him, him that was a problem. It was like Luke Brooks was so close to Sean Bloor. Yeah. Tom, Tom Talao looked like he was in, you know, a, a different postcode. And I'm like, mm. man, why is there so much space there? So I just think there was a lack of trust and lack of communication between those three blokes. To, to Lau's just, I just can't believe what a good game he had against Canberra and what an absolute stinker. You know, same goes for Wakem. I thought Wakem was outstanding, outstanding against Canberra and had a pathetic game against, not for not for want of trying, it's just everything he touched turned to shit. So, um, yeah, just look, I feel bad. And I, that's why I don't really like doing these play to play ratings because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. If someone plays bad, I'll say they're bad. If someone plays yeah. good, like they played good. But, I'd, I'd like to see Sean there now for a few weeks. And if Sean isn't that left edge or right edge or middle or wherever we play him, if, he, if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But I really don't think he's had a, a red-hot opportunity at our club because yeah. every time he gets an opportunity, unfortunately, he gets injured. So mm. I'd just like to see him have a better go. But, like, who's going to be outside him this week? Are we going to persist with Talau? Um, you know, is Toa going to go into the middle, you know, like play 5-8 and now... Surely bring Naden back. you got to bring Naden back, sure. got to bring Naden back. you probably got to bring Kapoa back and you've got to drop Talau. But Talau seems to have that get-out-of-jail-free card that Brooks used to have when he used to play stinkers. So, I don't know. We'll just see what, what team we name this week. I mean, I know we're light on some troops, but if Talau's gone, I just don't see any point in playing him. I'm also going to just quickly um, respond to Lance calling me out in the YouTube comments there. Um, Lance, when when you go back and reread Josh's survey, underneath 10, he says almost perfect. So I don't have to say he's perfect to give him a 10. He's almost perfect. There we go. Case I closed. I think my argument there, and I'm happy with you getting, giving out 10, mate. I've got no problem with it. But if, if next week Jareem scores three tries, you can only give him a 10. You know what I mean? Like that—that's oh, well. like, that, that, that's, that's not. Yeah, but that's not true though. Like, there's been obviously in diving, gymnastics, wherever those stupid sports where you do give scores. There's obviously been tens given to different um, routines or different dives or whatever, and they're not exactly the same. So th- th- there are tens. I always say this as well when you like you're rating someone. Um, with looks, and you say, "Oh, that that man or woman is a ten out of 10. and someone's like, "Well, it has to be perfect." It's like, no, like to me, a ten, like there are heaps of tens out there. Like it's just, like I don't know. It um, getting yeah, I think, a bit I think of, Dream a Buller, like if I said, you know, Josh, which game was better for Jareem Buller, the game against the Cowboys or the game against the Titans? What would your answer be? Which which game was better? Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. That's, the, so one, they can't be the same performance. Yeah. That, that's the only thing. That's that's my logic behind. I could be wrong, but I just don't think they were the same performance. I think Jareem played better there. I think he played better against Penrith. Um, I even think he but, played better against St. George. He, he scored. He put two try savers on Ravalawa that to save the game. So I, I get what Aaron's saying. Like he loves yeah. it. And, and it was a good performance. I'm not doubting it was a it was a very good performance. But out of his seven or eight games that he's played, that's how good Jareem's going because this would be on the lower half of the spectrum and it was still a magnificent performance. He still got over 200 metres of run metres, scored a fantastic try. 
Uh, he's getting more involved now. He backs up a lot. But if you just ask me, was it a 10 out of 10? I just wouldn't say that. But but Aaron's allowed to put whatever he wants. I mean, maybe next week give him a 12 if he scores three tries. <laughs> well, I've given I've given Tommy Talau a negative 10. So if that counts or anything. Yeah, jo- Jason D said none of you, neither of you three are, are a ten. I'll, I'll uh, on look though, but what about our we performance? Do, we do have mirrors, mate. We do have mirrors. Yeah. We know that very, very well. <laughs> There's a reason why, mate. The the, uh, the camera squares nice and small yeah, towards exactly. the side, but the, the slideshow take up most of the uh, most of the space. But um, thanks for that. Uh, some of the best comments in our play ratings. So Chris. Uh, he said, hard to think of a worse night. Huge losses with players combined with terrible individual performances across the park. Really shows the value of Appy after he left the field. Uh, I think he meant to say no direction. Uh, Phil Rogers said, Talau should never play first grade for us again. Buller is a beast. The fend on Tino was beautiful to watch. Bateman has a bit of the dog in him. And you're supposed to spell dog, D-A-U. Uh, D-A-W-G there, I believe, Phil. But uh, And it's wonderful. I worry for the rest of the season now. Brooksy and Appy are massive outs. Uh, Matthew McNally said, uh, it looks like the opposition's game plan is a lie all over us to slow down the play the ball while this goes unchecked. Sides will continue to use this tactic. I hope Naden is available next week. I was once a fan of Talau, but maybe he just looked better in a weaker side. If I could take points off for each of his each poor play of his, it would be in the negatives. Uh, Brennan G, why are our short dropouts so diabolical? Same with receiving short kickoffs. Junior Tupo must be involved. Uh, we kind of touched on that earlier, but totally yeah. agree. Uh, Chris said, as in Shawshank Redemption, hope is a dangerous thing. Uh, ruthless with ratings this week. I just expected better across the park. Um, look, we certainly crawled through a mile of shit in that game, didn't we? Yeah. Um, uh, Lance Koshkin, Koshkin, Sorry, Lance, yeah, if I pronounced Koshny, I think. <coughs> Sorry, I needed a cough before this big ramp. Uh, you'd never include my response in the podcast to this poll, but I will, uh, still write a meaningful comment. Talao had an absolute shocker, uh, should have been dropped weeks ago, weeks ago. Bring back Naden. Our attack was hopeless and our defense wasn't much better. I started to get so angry with the amount of errors and how pathetic we were playing that I had to stop watching the game before I had a hernia. Uh, I know that our two playmakers, Appy and Brooksy, both obtained injuries during the game, but that still doesn't excuse that shit show that went down. I hate to say it, but unfortunately, I think we can kiss finals footy goodbye this year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I was more upset because I had started to get my hopes up with the amount of consistently impressive performances that the team had strung together over the last six weeks. But after tonight's game, I sadly realized that there are still the same old Tigers. It's a bad night at the office, boys. That's all it was. A few positional changes and we got outplayed. And uh, yeah, we lost Happy, so didn't help. While you're coughing, uh, Josh, I had to laugh. Um, someone commented that, I knew Luke Brooks was going to have a bad game as soon as you blokes started calling him Brooksy again. That just cracked me up last week when I read that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. this is that last little bit of tickle in my throat that got me on that last threat. That's uh, all good. I might need um, uh, might need you to carry me the rest of the show, boys. My voice is going all again. Um, Patreon questions. I don't think the boys dropped any, but. We will save them for Wednesday night's show. Um, Patreon.com forward slash West Life if you want to join the Discord. And 
joining on the fun. Oh, man. Uh, oh, Gussie sent us our rant. As Can you see that? Can you re- read that out? Can, yep, I'll read it out for you, Josh. Thank you. <laughs> it's been hard times finding small victories over the last decade, but there have been some brilliant signs of hope this year. As an early day Balmain and Wests fan, this merger was and remains a marriage of perfection to me. Life, NRL, can come down to variables not in our control, such is life. However, I see hope in the development of our young'uns and the potency in all of Rob Bashara's <laughs> eloquently delivered speeches. I just want to extend my gratitude and love to the humans that ride and die with the Tigers. Much love to all West Tigers humans. Thanks for the party, lads. Go the Tigers. Thanks, Gussie. Love you, mate. Good on you, Gussie. Righto, our guests. So we did open up the phone lines tonight for the airing of some West Tigers grievances. And Brandon, I'm glad you've come come along, mate, because I need another voice on the uh, on the panel right now. How are you on this uh, Monday evening, Brandon? Welcome to your debut on the West Life podcast. No, boys, thanks for having me. Um, g'day, Josh, Rob, and Az, and everyone g'day, else Brandon. listening. Um, yeah, so it's it's been hard, I guess, since from the game on Thursday night to have the whole long weekend and think about just how how crap <laughs> that performance was. But um, look, I think we gonna we can only take positives out of it. Um, I think, especially Dream uh, coming out and and doing what he does week in week out. Um, I think the biggest problem is establishing our culture. I think it starts from the front office all the way down. So let's just hope that they can put in good performances for the rest of the year, but we need to fix a lot internally, I think. Rob, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think there still is... I felt like it was getting... um, It was improving a little bit over the last off-season, especially with the new guys like uh, Clemba, Papa, Appy sort of thing. They kind of clear it out. Do you agree with what Brennan's saying there? Well, even though we weren't effective and we didn't complete properly last week, we, you can't fault the effort. The effort's always there. We're not giving up. That You know, when it got to 28-6, that could easily have blown out to 46-6. We're, we're not getting those score lines anymore. I hope I don't jinx that for this week. Um, but look, Melbourne are going to be missing, well, at least three players in, what, Coates, Munster, Harry Grant. They might have a couple of others out. Welsh, Welsh will probably get a week. Uh, Katoa, at least Katoa, the second row has got an eye problem. So hopefully they're, they're pretty under strength. Doesn't guarantee us a win because we're pretty under strength ourselves. But there is a lot to look forward to, as Brandon said. I just think, I don't know if it's the 12 years of scarring that I've got personally and, and that we've all got, but sadly, I, I seem to only want to try and take the positives now because, you know, maybe that's just my self-defence mechanisms because I'm sick of thinking how shit it's been. Um, on the management and the culture, Brandon, I I think everyone's trying their best, but I, I still think there is a bit of a divide there, especially as I said earlier on the show. I feel like the fact that management went and recruited Scott Fulton, they've got rid of Warren McDonald, who'd only been back, you know, a year or so. Um, and given that Tim Sheens was director of football and suddenly they've gone behind his back and appointed Scott Fulton, that's basically a way of saying, well, when your time's up, Tim Sheens, you're out of here because there's no role for you. So I don't think they're all on the same page there. From what I do get told, there's a lot of belief in Benji Marshall. There's a lot of belief in what he tries to do. The The boys love him. I know Appy, for a fact, has said uh, he raced Seraldo as a coach, Appy Coruscant, and he thinks 
in Benji's short time already that Benji is a fantastic coach and he believes in what he's trying to do. So, look, I think there are positive signs, but are we unified behind, you know, off the footy field? I don't think we are quite there yet, but it's it's not it's not great. But, you know, that, that only just takes a few wins or, you know, a, a run of good form hopefully early next year to change that. But like, like I said at the start of the show, it's going to be interesting how we handle the rest of the year. That's that's really going to be the proof because, you know, not not that I'm fans of Lee or Justin, but I think they all have to kind of stick together. And if there's infighting and bickering and, and finger pointing, I, I don't think that's the way it should be. And I don't think it's attractive also for, for player managers and players to want to come to our club if they don't see a unified West Tigers front office. Agree. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. Um, I think... I'm not sure if it's because we're a merger as well, but there's always been, um, you know, fractions and, and you know, miscommunication or uh, a breakdown of, uh, of bad decision-making um, over the last few years. But um, I don't know. Like, I think, yeah, it's, it definitely is a, is a flow-on effect um, from the top-down sort of thing. But I remember when we, when we beat Penrith, the very first headline that came out, it wasn't about our win. It was about how Pasco was trying to, uh, you know, recruit Fulton as the, as the recruitment manager and stuff like that. Like, they just always want to try and never give credit to us whenever we win. They never want to give any praise for any good performances. It always They always want to try and, you know, make it about themselves, like as in the front office and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so that's just how I feel, anyways. Um, with it, it's always like whenever we do something good, there's always another uh, another scale on the other side that wants to try and bring us down and and not let us progress as a club and and get us back to finals footy. Yeah, we're a clickbait supporter group, Brandon. Like you know, yeah, we we all we all bite as soon as we see a headline, we jump on it, and and that's why I'm very skeptical about the Luke Brooks thing. I'm not going to believe Luke Brooks is gone until he's gone because. We've seen player agents, you know, muck around with us before. We've seen the whole, the belief that the West Tigers had that Mitch Moses was coming and all along I was told he's not interested in coming. He's just trying to up his offer and look what he ended up with. He ended up with 1.2 per year with power and he hasn't even won a premiership. So um, I'm just a bit sceptical about a lot of things. But all I know is everyone within the club, even if they're not all unified, they're all trying their best. They're all trying their best. But I'm just sick of being a... A spectator, and and this is why I think our podcast is pretty successful. We kind of air the views of most of the supporters, and we're all frustrated. We want to see success, and I, I think the thing is, I don't want to see the same mistakes we made last year. So once our season was over, we started getting flogged. You know, with the exception of a couple of games, I think we beat Brisbane. We had that heartbreaker against the Cowboys, but most of the other games we got absolutely towed, and that's what can't happen now. And and we can't persist with players in first grade that aren't going to be there next year. So I, I just hope we learn from that last year and we, we blood a few players, we try a few guys for a couple of games. And look, I, I'm sure, look, we've just got to have a bit of faith that they know what they're doing, even though we've got 11 years prior of knowing that they haven't known what they're doing. But we've, we've got to get it right. We've got to finish this season and, and get some momentum into 2024 because... I mean, like I say, I'm pretty much immune to it anyway, guys. I'm going to keep watching. I'm, I'm just sick of freaking fighting with everyone over it, and I'm, I'm just hoping for miracles now. I really got no constructive stuff to say about it, and just 
because our leadership hasn't been great in front office, but it's got to change or people have to walk and they're never going to walk. So the alternative is it has to change. Brandon, what's your West Tigers fandom history? How long have you been a fan for? You look pretty young. So, yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm 26. So um, my whole family has been um, all through, uh, have actually been Balmain supporters since the early 1920s. So wow. I've pretty much, yeah. So Rob um, remembers that. Yeah, so Rob might remember that, but no. Um, yeah, it all started from my, um, my dad's side all the way down. His mum was, I believe, in some part of the administration back in the Balmain days, really early days. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, she's now uh, she's now passed and yeah, so rest in peace her soul. Um, but yeah, like I've followed them. I followed them when I was about probably just coming up about seven or eight. So I saw like... 2005, like just yep. barely remember 2005. Maybe it would have um, been like going through. Um, yeah, eight years so, old, yeah, yeah, about eight or nine. So, um, and I just stuck with it. And then I just loved the colors, and it just sort of just spoke <laughs> to me whenever I've whenever I saw the um, Tigers emblem, and the fact that like that my family uh, supported them uh, all throughout 50s, 60s, all the way through to now is um, is crazy. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like I've seen. I've seen some great games. I've seen some really crap games yeah. um, through my time. Like, um, I think the, I think the game that still breaks me to this day is probably the, the uh, prelim against St George, when we lost thirteen twelve. I've just never been the same there. after that. So, yeah. it's um yeah like just to get back to that level, um just that elite level to compete with top four teams would be would be great one day. Um, I think we just got to be patient and. Um, you know, just get the right people, get the right people to buy into the club and who want to play for the jersey. Uh, simple as that. Yeah, I think, I mean, the four-pack alone, like Rob said, we've only probably got a couple of years left in some of the guys. We've got the amount of money we should, I think we can back, get back to that in quicker than people think. I think it's just going to take a couple of signings and we'll be up there. So, um. Yeah, we have one of the best four packs in the league. Really, they you can't really fault them at all this year. We need to stay healthy. Um, but yeah, as anything to add to that? Um, just on the forward pack, there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the only player in our forward pack, including hookers, that's over the age of thirty, is Appy. I'm pretty sure Bateman is in his late twenties. I think Clemmer might be in his late twenties as well. Um, and then other than that, we've only got the rest of the youngsters. So other than maybe Appy, I think there's a there's a lot of life in this forward pack if we can it's get definitely core, yeah. the most part. So yeah. Um and then with all the youngsters we've got coming through, there's a lot of potential for that to get even better as the years go on. Um just back on the the topic of um culture, I think amongst the playing squad on and off the field, ignoring what's going on in the the top um that filters down, I think it's a we've gotten a lot better in the culture. We've got a lot of players now who are bought into what um, Benji wants to do or what Sheen's wants to do at the moment, and what Benji's going to want to do. Um, we don't have a lot of any of those players anymore who are kind of bringing the culture down, always putting us in in bad headlines and things like that. And 
other than a bit of a lapse in communication on Thursday night, I think overall we've been pretty solid in regards to um, not falling into the habits we fell into late in some of those seasons where finals became a pipe dream and um, we got knocked out of the contest early, like 2021, um, that final game up at Redcliffe where we got absolutely smoked by the dogs. Um, you could definitely say there was a coach culture problem around that point, but in that regard, I think we're considerably better now. So I think while there's still a bit of a ways to go, particularly with on-field performance, I think the team gelling together, um, egos aren't being brought into training anymore, at least from an outsider looking in. So we've made strides and yeah, looking forward to seeing where we go after this year. Are you heading out to watch the game against the Storm Saturday night, Brandon? Do you get to get out to a lot of games? Um, this year, I've I've actually went to all three Leichhardt games, which is probably the first time I've done it in a few years, just because I thought we were going to lose lose that ground. Um, and thankfully, from hopefully, or well, from what I've been told, they're going to have five and five, and and yeah. obviously one in Suncorp and one in Tamworth. So, um, I think suburban grounds has always been the best thing for us. I think, yeah, the Parramatta Stadium and and a core has never really looked They're at soulless. Look, yeah. Looked that great. Yeah, it looks soulless. Yep. It's just really bad. Um, but yeah, I won't I won't be heading out unfortunately, but I'll definitely be watching um Saturday night. Um it's gonna be an interesting game. I think oh look, even with the origin players out and obviously we've got Appy and 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 Brooks gone for you know long term for injury. Um, if they can just turn up with an attitude to say, you know what, we got to step up and 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 put our front and get on the front foot early. Um, I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows? They're just like the Ford Pack's been unbelievable this year, as Rob said earlier. Um, and like, I think yeah, we have individual brilliances at times, like Dream and and Stafford. Um, but yeah, I think. We can just build on that week to week. Obviously, this season's gone, but focus that going into this year. I think will make make us fans, you know, look at you know look at some hope, really for the future. So we'll see how we go, and hopefully the boys rip in. So apparently, um, Carlos has mentioned it here. There's reports that Stefano Utoikamanu is going to play on the bench for the Blues next week. He's been named at this going to be named at the 17 jersey. Wow! Congratulations! Wow! That is amazing. I love that. Good on you, Steph. Um, yeah, and maybe future West Tiger Tyson Brazil uh, is back as well. That um, hurts for Saturday night. That's for sure. Yeah. So, but great. For young Stefano, well deserved. Definitely. Look, guys, we had we had, we've had three wins so far. We had three wins this time last year, but like Brandon said, I think we've got a lot more hope now. You know, we our fullback For situation sure. wasn't right. Uh, we knew we were getting happy, but we didn't know we were going to get this absolute stellar happy that we got. So there's plenty to look forward to, guys. But yeah, in terms of wins, we we look like we're in the same boat. But I feel like we're in a better position now than we were last year. Right, oh, uh, sorry, one last cough as I get towards the end of the show. Uh, we, we will preview that game on Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m., so please join us again. Shouts to everyone who joined us on Facebook and YouTube again tonight. Like, it's it's very, very heartwarming, and we're appreciative that, like I said at the start of the show, the 
the team after a game that was just so uh, so bad in our season again. The West Tigers just aren't uh, enjoyable to watch. I mean, there's there's parts of it, but you know, what I'm trying to say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we love we're, you all. We appreciate we're, it. We're irresistible, as Dan Ganang said. Yeah. But irresistible. But uh, Brendan, thank you for joining us on the show tonight. Um, yeah, so you can join us for our traditional finish. You you know how we finish every episode. Absolutely, I do. Let's go. Uh, Let's do it. As always, boys, Demo Nuggets in five. <laughs> you had to do it, didn't you? I had to do go it. Go the Tigers. Go the Tigers. Go the Tigers. Go the Tigers. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Westlife Podcast. Please follow us at Westlife Pod on Instagram and Twitter and facebook.com forward slash westlifepod. You can also support and take part in the show at patreon.com forward slash westlife and give us a subscribe on YouTube and turn notifications on. We'll see you again next time on another episode of the Westlife Podcast.